You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey, Alex. Hey, Nick. You want to talk about what happened last week, man? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. You don't? So many things happened last week. What I think happened last week was, for those of you who did not listen to the podcast last week, I was uh, telling a great story. And then not only did you, during my story, use the powers of the fact that you are the main editor of this podcast at this point to dip out my audio and put an audio of your own. You uh, talked about how much you loved my wife. My concern is that people are going to get bored hearing your bullshit. And so what I'm trying to do is provide our audience with something that they can really wrap their their arms around and their hearts around. Right, right, right. You know, they don't right. want to hear they don't want to hear your offhand comments about about my sister, okay? Right, they want right, to right, they right, want right. to see the true love. They want to hear about the, the true, true the true love between you and my wife. Yeah. The love, the, the romantic love that exists between you and my wife. We want to, you want to talk about wrapping your arms around something. I'm going to wrap my arms around. Oh, Alex. You're such a dream. I just adore you. You're so smart, knowledgeable. An absolute dream. You're a fucking dead man. <laughs> You're a fucking dead man. Little Justice. Little Justice. Little Justice. Fuck yeah. Welcome you to can't do anything. <laughs> Welcome to you Little Justice. You can't do anything about it. Welcome to Little Fucking Justice. I can and I will. Jesus Christ. This is the podcast where we talk about how Alex is going to die in seven days. No, this is our uh, movie review podcast, movie, movie analysis podcast more like, where we pick a theme, pick our favorite movies that support that theme or exemplify that theme, and discuss like the know-it-all bastards we are. I am Nick Walker, the asshole. I'm Alex. Oh. Yeah, no, no, I was, I was going to say, I, um, you know, I was going to call myself an asshole. For, are you okay with that? Yeah, let's 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 roll that again. Hi, I'm Nick Walker, an asshole who somehow found himself doing Broadway. And who are you? I'm uh, Alex Smolo. I'm the asshole's friend. Great, great. Just an asshole's friend. Friend of an what asshole. What else do I do? You just sit by a gaping anus and talk. See, I I've developed a career's worth of tools to use against you at this point. You have one thing that you do. What what's the one thing? The Broadway thing. The Broadway you know, thing. I, I guess it's like an amalgamation of singing. It's it's like a bunch of things rolled into one. But you can't edit, for instance. I cannot. So you can't do this. I am Nick Walker. At the end of the day, I think what's one of my favorite is that the asshole and gaping anus. They're delicious, by the way. I just want to say that. Jesus Christ. You know, it's it, you actually are a perfect segue into our theme this week. The theme that we've picked to discuss. Fall from grace, but you were never graceful, so there was never grace for you to you fall. Ha from. You have to have grace to fall and from you grace. You've never had grace. You've only had fucking the, the clap. That's what you've had. Think about it. Did you? Did you ever? Who knows? That's possible. And what's the scientific name? What's the scientific name for that again? Chlamydia. Oh, are you? Googling yeah, I don't that? think. I don't think so. If I you have I'm to good. think about it, I think I'm good. It, I've it's been a long fall. NYU from, is a big school, man. It's been a long fall from grace. Tish was a big old school. Fall from grace. So what is fall from grace then, Nick? If if I've done it, 
No, you haven't done it because you haven't ever been graceful. You're like a fucking... It's like Bambi learning to walk. That's how awkward you are. Understand that? Well, Bambi is graceful. Yeah, but, but my, my mother is alive. So... Jesus Christ. We made it, mother! We... Mother! Yeah, Bambi's mother is dead. <laughs> P.S. Watch... Bummer. Watch fucking Tiger King. Good lord. I want to. <laughs> Good lord. I really want to. I've... I tried. Strap in, Bambi, because that uh, shit is that is. Rough. Is it good? It's really good. It's. I mean, you want to talk about a fall from grace? That's actually if we were doing documentaries, which we might want to do, uh, that would be a perfect fall from grace because that is a man who just took a long dive down a low well. But yeah, fall from grace. What is a fall from grace? A character who uh, I, I look at as a crossroads, right? If we're looking at movies or stories as we do, a character who uh, is on one path. Uh, and has a, a a a choice, has several choices possibly, and continuously chooses uh, a path which leads him away from that which we, uh, society, generally consider moral or ethical. Um, you know, ends up in a place that is maybe uh, you know, some some place amoral. Uh, and I think so. Let me ask you. Yeah. So your interpretation then is that it is the character's choices that pull him down a fall well yeah yeah i would say so do you think it's do you do you, do you think it's something different well you'll see when i talk about my movie i i see a fall from grace as a character it's almost um if you look at what classic tragedy is you know if a comedy is where things start bad and by the end they're good a fall from grace is where things start good and become bad but centered around, you know, a, a character's center. Well, but like, okay, so I put like I put it like out like this, right? So, pursuit of happiness, right? Which is a character going to the bottom and coming back up again, right? Will Smith starts off in what he believes is a is a stable relationship with uh, uh, is that Tandy Newton? No, not Tandy Newton. Yeah, Tandy Newton. Um, and uh, then throughout the course of the movie, uh completely that shit just you know piles on piles just on piles falls on apart. and it's, it's so you wouldn't consider that i don't it's consider his, it it's his fault it's well no it's interesting it's not yeah it's, it has to be to me it has to be his fault because the fall from grace you're referencing um lucifer that's what that's i mean that's where the, the right. that's where i think the etymology of that phrase is and so it's it's the idea yep. that somebody did something to, to damn themselves will smith yep. you know his uh his character does nothing so yeah i think um it takes an evil man or a person who becomes evil like you you know? Interesting. So I started out as a nice guy. When we met, you're like, here's here's a sensible, nice, handsome, I artistic, never thought you were fucking funny sensible. guy. I thought you were a goddamn Nazi. I'm gonna say it right now. Something about you. I think hindsight is twenty twenty. I wanted to when I met you, I was like, let me look through his fucking drawers and see if I can find a passport to Colombia or Bolivia or something like that. You know Brazil. If you you've been to Brazil, Alex? You go to Brazil a lot? I've actually never been to Brazil. Got friends in Argentina? I have one friend from Brazil. Okay. Well, is that friend's name Adolf Eichmann? Maybe. Yep. Well, here we are. Little Justice. Serve Justice to my Nazi friend. Um, no, all this aggression is just because you fucking are trying to seduce me. Oh, you're still, you're still so mad. I'm so mad you're that still so mad. she left a fucking voicemail. She called in. She did. And I, she called and left a voicemail. And can I tell you what pissed me off about that? I saw her 
doing that. I saw her call. She was like, oh, don't be in here. Don't be in here. And I was like, what the fuck is happening? And you knew. You must have known on, on some level. That you were pulling some they're shit. They're like, oh, get out of here. Get out of here. And I was involved. Yeah. Was, Even though I'm, I'm 3,000 miles away, you know when something secret's going on behind your back, when oh, Sarah's involved. God. You are I'm probably worst. at the other end of that phone. No, I don't like that. I don't like anything about that. But nothing we can do about that. Um, but yeah, that's a fall from grace. Is uh, okay. Alex so my 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 film is actually going to be a little a little different then. Yeah, describe. I had it. a, a, describe a it different me. interpretation. Well, before we get into it, but I mean, my my interpretation was it was more somebody who has it all. Okay. Who has their stuff together? Who's looking forward? Um, who whether it is their fault or not mm-hmm. uh is is pulled away from it and i think the the best fall from grace movies under that umbrella interpretation are ones where by the end they haven't pulled themselves back to where they were they discover that that's never where they should have been to begin with mm. they find something new about themselves so you fall from grace being like you're heaven right yeah it, your your perfect place yeah. and, and with, which could be uh, understood as the bubble that we live in right when you think you have things figured out it's a very relatable topic you think you have things figured out you think life is going one way you think okay I'm making progress I can see the next 10 years I can you know I feel safe I feel warm uh, and then reality biting you in the ass which it does for each and every one of us coronavirus um, with coronavirus biting us in the lungs um, yep Jesus Dark. Uh, dark, 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 dark humor for dark times. Dark. Bambi's mother's dead. Mother. So I, I, I think there's the uh, the redemption of understanding that you didn't fall as far as you thought you did, um, and that's sort of the arc of the movie. So, uh, what in in your opinion, do you have some examples? Good, bad. Good, bad. That I, that that I did not choose for my favorite. I think uh, Joker. Uh, Joker is a is a good example. I thought maybe you were gonna pick that. I did not pick that. Uh, came out two thousand nineteen with uh, with uh, Joaquin Phoenix, who won the Oscar for his portrayal as Arthur Fleck, aka uh, here we go another name of the Joker. Uh, I out. love how you know like it's all actor names and character names. Like we gotta we gotta spend fifteen seconds every time we mention a movie to make sure everyone knows who the actor was, and what the full name of the character was. You know, Alex, one of the things that I bring to the table as an actor, as opposed to an editor, is that, you know, when I get a script, the first thing I do is I look through and I say, okay, who are my characters? Who, uh, who, uh, my wife is here and she just dropped off a plate oh my of, God. of amazing wings for me. I knew I chose, right? Shut up. But no, so one of the things that separates us is that, uh, don't text my wife if that's what you're doing. I feel like that's what you're doing. I don't know what you're talking about. I really pay attention to little minute details like, you know, the characters' names or uh, the city it takes place in, the year. Yeah. You just kind of look at images or listen to sounds and you shove them together in whatever way you see fit. That's fucking dumb. I mean, it's necessary and we need you. I mean, it's necessary and we need you. It's necessary and we need you. But it's dumb, and that means that you don't have any respect for people or character, and I do. So, yes, I will say the actors' names and the characters' names and the screenwriters' names if I need to. So who was the screenwriter for Joker? Go Todd, on. Todd Enlighten Phil- us. Todd Phillips. Did he write it? Yeah. Todd Phillips, uh, and he was a co-write with, uh, I forget who his writing partner was, but yes. Um, 
And to be honest, I'm not in a, I'm not too hot. I'm not too hot on the script. The script is not my favorite. Yeah, I'm not too hot on the movie. I but I'm hot on that performance. But that's a great example. The performance is good. I heard this song on the radio the other day. And the guy was singing that his name was Carnival. Are there which is crazy. But to to me it was almost the same exact character from the master. Are you often consumed? I envy. You mean like jealousy? Like jealousy. Oh, well, yeah, I don't like someone else's hands on my girls. I don't like to think about that. It makes me sick. Are you scientific in your thought? Yes. Yes. I had I had trouble seeing anybody else. There were differences, but I th- I think the psychosis that everybody was so drawn to in that character I think was better and more defined in, in the master. It was the master mixed with Travis Bickle. Right. And that's yeah. and I think I think that's what people respond to. We just hadn't had that kind of character in a, in a second. But you know, Joaquin thinks is is no. I mean Nightcrawler, man. Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler well then that's that. that's another great example of Fall from Grace. The situation is that I lost an employee, and I'm interviewing for a replacement. Okay, uh, the, the ad didn't say what the job was. It's a fine opportunity for some lucky someone. <laughs> P.S. Jake Gyllenhaal, another one of those actors who I'm like, that is, he's fucking phenomenal. Um, everything he touches is gold. But yeah, Jake Gyllenhaal, Nightcrawler. I, I'm like hesitant to say the one I'm thinking of because I feel like it might be your choice. It so maybe be. let's start with you. So why don't we line you up here? Okay. Unless there's one, is there one that's bad? That's a bad example of Fall from Grace? A bad example? <sighs> Wizard of Oz? I mean, if you're tracking it through the wizard. It's technically. Technically it is. I mean, he is the titular character. Um, titular. Titular. Devil's Advocate with Keanu that, Reeves? I, you know what? I was about to say that. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> Because, like, and here's the thing. I actually have a, a soft spot for that movie because that movie... I love that movie. That was one of the first movies that my mom saw um, after after uh, she got divorced. She took me to see it because she just loved Al Pacino. She didn't know anything about oh, it. Oh, perfect. We watched it in the movie theater. If you guys don't know Devil's Advocate, it is... Uh, I suggest you rent it. It's one of, not only one of the craziest, most bizarre films ever, Al Pacino ever made, but it is in, in no way appropriate for anyone under the age of, I would say... Six, very not appropriate 65 yeah it's it's fucked up it's it's al pacino it's a lot of nudity it's the devil trying to manipulate some incest to happen it's keanu reeves doing an on again off again texan accent it's a lot of things and with everybody's newfound re-fascination with keanu reeves it's it's interesting to watch him go that way yeah yeah it's interesting yeah, it's very interesting, but that that is definitely a bad, a gr- oh, bad example. My of Fall goodness! From Grace. All right, all right. So here we are. You want you me? You made to, your choice. I made my choice, and you know exactly what it is. I think I might know what it is, but this is you haven't hinted at it at all. I think I just know what the obvious choice is, and I feel like you would go that way. You think so I'd go for the li- obvious line choice. us up? The obvious choice, you son of a bitch! I go simple for the like you, yeah. I go. Fuck off i'd go for the choice that means the most to me and this was a film that i saw my sophomore year of college and it meant the world to me we open with some beautiful landscape shots almost a desert 
some amazing music, kind of a, a haunting uh, violin. And then we see a man down in a hole, and he's digging. He's digging. He's picking for something. Something. Not what I thought. Not what you thought. Seriously. Oh, come on, dude. This is this is the one. He's digging around. He's striking flint on rock. Picks up the rock. We see it's slick. It's slick in his hands. What does that mean? Is that oil? Blows the thing up. Huge explosion. Goes back down. Finds the oil. Slick rock. Now he's carrying it up. But the explosion from before damaged the ladder. Breaks his leg. Doesn't cry out necessarily. But just sits there in pain. He crawls out the ladder. Crawls onto the ground. Crawls what we assume is across this desert. He writes his name on a piece of paper to stake his claim. The name is Daniel Plainview. And we are now about seven, eight minutes in to the masterpiece, There Will Be Blood. Ladies and gentlemen, I've traveled over half our state to be here tonight. I couldn't get away sooner because my new well was coming in at Coyote Hills and I had to see about it. That well is now flowing at 2,000 barrels it's paying me an income of $5,000 a week. I have two others drilling, and I have 16 producing at Antelope, so... Ladies and gentlemen, if I say I'm an oil man, you will agree. What did you think that I was going to pick? I assumed you were going to pick Requiem for a Dream. Interesting! That is, an, that's, that is a great choice. That is an obvious... Yeah. It's actually what we should be talking about when it comes to... We should talk about record. Your Your decisions cause this, because it really is a tragedy in every single sense. Absolutely. But I also don't like talking about that movie. I, I, I hate Jared Leto, and I... <laughs> you that know movie what? just feels... Fight Club last week was even a, a push for me, just because of how much we talked about it yeah. at 19 years old. Everyone, yeah, I'm everyone... Just, I'm just over with all, it, man. For, for those of us who grew up with movies... Uh, who were born in the 80s you know these are the movies that were seminal and we had posters of them on our walls this was the shit this was like the you know the the bit the bare bones shit i went with there will be blood mainly because of its subtlety yep because there's something about so the movie if you've ever seen the film right in the title it is promising a change it is promising that there will be blood right so and that, that is metaphorical. That is in the sense of like, there's something's going to happen. There's also blood as oil. We, we, we equate that a lot in the dialogue and in, in just in the American landscape folklore. You know, oil is the blood, lifeblood of our nation, sadly. But especially with Daniel Day-Lewis' performance, you know, we don't get dialogue with him for the first, I'd say seven, no, sorry, ten minutes. And um, we finally get a speech from him once he's kind of set up. He's established himself as an oil man, as he says. And he's talking to a crowd of people that he's... It's a town that he's saying he can drill in. Now, you have a great chance here. But bear in mind, you can lose it all if you're not careful. Out of all men that beg for a chance to drill your rods, maybe one in 20 will be oil men. The rest will be speculators. That's men trying to get between you and the oil men to get some of the money that ought by rights come to you. 
Even if you find one that has money and means to drill, he'll maybe know nothing about drilling. You'll have to hire the job out on contract, and then you're depending on a contractor who'll rush the job through so he can get another contract just as quick as he can. This is the way that this works. What is your offer? We're, we're wasting time. Absolutely. The, way, the very first shot of this man, there's nothing necessarily, you know, we, he's not like an evil man. Right. This is it, we don't know a lot about him. We know that uh, his partner who was working with him died in an accident uh, and he is caring for that partner's son, who he now claims is his own son. I'm a family man. I run a family business. This is my son and my partner, H.W. Plainview. But that's really the only kind of shifty thing. Other than that, we've just seen like kind of a, a rugged frontiersman and in the way he talks to the townspeople, he's very straightforward with them. There's nothing about this that's that's him trying to, you know, hustle them or anything. He's he's a say he's certainly a salesman, but it's it's very straightforward. The, the the language is beautiful, and Daniel Day Lewis's performance. You know, one of the things that I, I think I find fascinating, and I try to use it in my own work on stage. After I saw this movie, I went to my acting teacher and I said, how does he do that? Can you teach me how to act like Daniel Day Lewis? Which was such a fucking acting student question to ask. But the thing that she said to me, she was like, the key to good acting is doing exactly what you say you're doing. And it didn't, didn't occur to me what that meant until many years later. And it's something I try to apply where you just, you know, I think whether it's you're on set doing a film or you're on stage, the best actors know how to just be, how to just exist. And I think that that's the thing with Daniel Day-Lewis is he really bridges the gap where, you know, he builds a baseline on his performances, right? Where you just, it's an authenticity and an attention to detail where you just believe this person. And then, and you don't see the acting, you don't see the acting happening, right? And then when there's a roar, when there's a, when there's a build to something, then you see the power behind this person. But he picks those moments very carefully. And what that does for a story that's about a fall from grace is that you really, uh, with very few words, and this, this one speech, you're trusting this man. I'm fixed like no other company in this field. And that's because my Coyote Hills well has just come in. I have a string of tools already to put to work. I can load a rig onto trucks and have them here in a week. I have business connections so I can get the lumber for the derrick. Such things go by friendship in a rush like this. And this is why I can guarantee to start drilling and to put up the cash to back my word. I assure you, ladies and gentlemen, no matter what the others promise to do, when it comes to the showdown, they won't be there. Off the bat, you're, you're, you're invested in his story. And as he starts to reveal himself as a man who's willing to do things to get ahead, it becomes heartbreaking. It becomes really scary at times because he's established such a good baseline that, that the more he kind of digs his hands into the dirt, you're like, what the fuck? This isn't the guy that I knew. And, you, and you're seeing him go down this hole. The culmination, of course, uh, is the now famous um, I abandoned my child scene um, where, you know, so he, you know, he's a uh, little background. He strikes up uh, a rivalry um, with this uh, kid played by Paul Dano named Eli Sunday, um, who is uh, building, a, wants to build a church uh, across from the, from the dig site. And they just they just start this lifelong rivalry because you know the oil man hates the church man the church man hates the oil man and 
there's a plot of land that Daniel wants, and he realizes that he has to talk to this one man named uh, Bandy, this old man who lives in the in the woods to get you know the rights to dig there. He comes to find out that Bandy is a member of Eli's congregation, so he has to go to this congregation and like make a big show of being a believer to get Bandy to agree to like give him the tract of land. The doctrine of universal salvation is a lie, is it not? It's a lie. It's a lie. I wish everyone could be saved, but they won't. No, they won't. You will never be saved if you reject the blood. Good. Is there a sinner here looking for salvation? Eli takes this opportunity to really pull, pull him up to the pulpit and like embarrass him. Um, and you get to the heart of who this man is. You know, he just, uh, in this this point of the story, his son, who, you know, he used to use as kind of a selling tool, uh, has gone deaf from an accident at the drilling site. So he's now kind of a liability. So he can't use him anymore. And um, he essentially, like, has he hasn't referenced that. He hasn't dealt with that. He's just kind of kept moving forward. But Eli, like, questions him. You you know, you, he's trying to get him to admit you've abandoned your child. What do you want me to say? come here and you've brought good and wealth but you have also brought your bad habits as a backslider you've lusted after women and you have abandoned your child your child that you raised you have abandoned all because he was sick and you have sinned so say it now i am a sinner i'm a sinner say it louder i am a sinner i'm a sinner louder daniel i am a sinner i am a sinner I am sorry, Lord. I am sorry, Lord. I want the blood. I want the blood. You have abandoned your child. I have abandoned my child. I will never backslide. I will never backslide. I was lost, but now I am found. I was lost, but now I'm found. I have abandoned my child. Say it. Say it. I abandoned my child. Say it louder. Say it louder. I've abandoned my child. I've abandoned my child! I've abandoned my boy! It hits you in your gut because it's the last bastion of care that this man has. At this point in the story, he has done so many things that have just dug him into this hole of amoral, you know, shit. But the one thing is that he can't deny is that he loves his son. And he abandoned his son to get ahead, and he knows that. And yet, the second he the second it's over, he smiles again because he knows he he got what he wanted. He allowed he allowed for the vulnerability, but he got the pipeline, right? He's going to be able to drill. He's that line, uh, "There goes my pipeline," or whatever he says. So you just see this descent, and as I said, it was promised from the from the from the title card. There will be blood, right? Yeah. We know that it's coming, so we know that this man is going to get to a point where he will produce blood. By the end of the movie, he's just so worn out from all the sacrifices and, and bullshit cons he's had to pull to get what he wants. He's, you know, Daniel Day-Lewis plays him as a fucking, he's basically like a monster. He's like a golem. His voice is dropped. He's not, he's like speaking like through decades of whiskey and cigarettes and tobacco and like awfulness. 
he's sitting, you know, the first shot of him you see as an old man is he's sitting in a hallway in his big old oil mansion shooting at fucking pots and pans with a shotgun. You just get a sense of his isolation. And finally, Eli Sunday comes to visit. And uh, Eli is in a predicament. His church has fallen on hard times. He needs some money from Daniel. And this is like the moment he's been waiting for. You know, he could if he was... It, the man The man that was there that we met at the beginning of this movie might have given Eli mercy, but not this man. This man is too far down now. And the way that he just brutally murders Eli. Um, and, like, there is blood. <laughs> it is It is hysterical, but also, like, disturbing. It's just like, my God. And why I think it's my favorite example of a fall from grace is because of the, the many levels on which it works. It's a it's obviously a critique of capitalism. It was, um, uh, it was, uh, the idea came from the, the novel Oil by, uh, what's his name? Updike. Um, Upton Sinclair. Upton Sinclair. Thank you. Don't worry, everybody. I'm still here. He is still here. Nobody cares that he's here, but he's here. Upton Sinclair. Um, came with that novel but you know and which was a satire of or a exploration of american capitalism and, and the oil fields and this is definitely a look at what american capitalism does to a, a society i think i'm running a little counter to you here interesting because normally i'd be i mean there will be blood is one of my favorite films hands down mm -hmm. every time anybody asks me what's your favorite movie more often than not my reply is there will be blood. Every time I watch it, there's something different to get out. The performances, the, the structure, the sub, the subtext, the everything about it is interesting to me. Having spent that much time with that character, I don't know that I see him as somebody who, who started so high up. To me, it's the ultimate depiction of greed, Right? If you just take the word greed and you insert it into every interaction he has in that entire film, it comes out. It's about, it's about that. And I think the movie is more about, about hoping that he will be someone different than he is and realizing that at his core he is somebody, which I don't see as much as a fall from grace because I think from the very beginning he's someone willing to you know shatter his leg and crawl across a desert uh, to make some money to get what he needs to build his empire. He's willing to take a baby uh, and use it for his own, you know, maybe not malicious in the moment, but, but you know. It's interesting because I think that one of the things that uh, Anderson does that's so, that's so great is the ambiguity he does leave in a lot of these circumstances because he does make a point of showing the moments of Daniel, like, yes, we, we, you know, he is driven from the beginning. We see his drive and his ambition from the beginning. But what we also see is a lot of humanity. The way, yeah. he, the way he handles his son, the way he tussles his hair, the way he takes him out hunting in the beginning, very different from the end. When the girl is being abused by her father um, and he pulls her aside at the picnic, he's like, does he, you know, and then he, and he kind of shoots a, you know, shoots a look to the father and is, you know, basically kind of implying, do not touch your daughter like that again. Um, there's just these very human moments and I'm not saying he starts off with a fucking clean bill of health, but I'm saying he starts off as a driven businessman. Yes. As opposed to the literal ogre he becomes by the end of the film. Yeah, that's you know, fair. Eating, eating raw meat off a plate and like just drooling at the mouth. Um, so I think that the change of character 
you know, we, we hope that he, it's, it's, it's not a, it, right. It's not a consistency. It's certainly a, a, a degradation. We see somebody really yeah. become something else. I think maybe too, on some level, it's tough for me because he has the whole time. He's got such an aversion to religion. It's kind of his counterpoint. So to fall from grace, I, you know, with the, the Lucifer reference, uh, to me kind of, uh, it almost says directly, it's falling from from God. It's you know. But in the beginning, right? Again, you, the way that he handled that he deals with Eli. Eli Eli catches him at first because Eli's like, I'm not, or, or you know, he's like, I'm not going to be fucking played with. And Paul does too. Paul, the first brother, um, that he meets. But he certainly is more open. He certainly sees Eli as an adversary, but is like, okay. Let's see how, let's see if we can do this smoothly. And, and you know, and, and then 30 minutes later, he is stuffing his face into a pile of mud. You know what I mean? Um, so it's, again, I'm, I, I just, I view it as the change. But yeah, I think, I think that's what I love about it is it just, just shows this true transformation and a subtle transformation. Um, yes. Into, you know, what greed can do. Yeah. All right. Well, so I love it. If you haven't seen There Will Be Blood, please go. Yeah, please see it. Please go see it. And Alex, do don't, ever, do don't ever doing? assume what movie I'm going to pick again. You understand? Uh, I understand. Won't happen again. All right. Won't happen again. Mm-hmm. These uh, wings are delicious, by the way. I just want to say uh, that. They look really good. I'm not going to eat into the mic, but my wife... You, ha- you have been a little bit. It's a little bit. A little. Just a little. Just a little. Just give you guys a taste. I got some wings in the freezer. Maybe I'll maybe I'll heat those up. Yeah, heat up some wings, baby. Some right, mozzarella sticks. I love I love quarantine oh, food. Dude, quarantine food's the best. Suddenly I'm allowed. We got a big box of cocoa pebbles. Oh, dude. Some mozzarella sticks, frozen pizza, like eat from the house because you don't want to take. Yeah. I'm trying not to do takeout. Everyone here putting on the COVID nineteen. You know what I'm saying? Put on the COVID nineteen. Talk to me, man. Talk to me about your film. Here we go. Uh, let me set the stage for you. So you uh, you didn't get a chance to see it. I, I assume that you hadn't seen it. And like I'm saying before, I went a little different direction with the theme. So this is a film I saw, I think around the time it came out. It's from 2008. Uh, and it won the Best Foreign Film Oscar that year. Nice. But it's kind of hard to find now. I had to like, I had to find it online. We open on a snowy, snowy, snowy day in Japan, uh, modern day Japan, blizzard blowing through. You can barely see the road, a car slowly plodding along. Um, inside the car, there's a very young man, about 24, 25, and an old man riding together. They arrive at a funeral. Now, Japanese funeral uh, being a little different than we have in America, uh, this it's an encoffining ceremony where the body is prepared uh, for cremation. And we follow the old man offers to the young man, you know, do you want to do it this time? And he proceeds to prepare the body. Everyone's kneeling in the room in front of the family with the body on full display, proceeds to uh, dress the body, apply makeup, 
place the hands in an exact position, place the feet in an exact position. Um, it's a very serious scene. The music is very somber and gentle. Uh, and he reaches under um, to pull the blanket away uh, from this female corpse, and he realizes that, <laughs> that it's actually a man. <laughs> And everything stops, and he's trying to remain cordial in front of the family, trying not to surprise anybody. So he leans over to his boss, and he's, oh, what do we do? What do we do? The boss goes over and asks the, the uncle of the deceased, how do you want us to put on female makeup or male makeup? Um, and it, it's kind of this humorous scene. You're on the brink of, like, crying as you're watching this family, and then you're laughing, and then you go back to almost crying again as soon as it, you know they make the decision and they finish preparing and you see the family breaking down. Um, and we, it's, it's just a very unique situation to, to see laid bare. Uh, and then we cut to uh, a year or two earlier. And we're in a concert hall, and this is the grace part. Um, the character is in a full tuxedo in an orchestra uh, playing. It's big, it's vibrant, it's full, he's happy, everybody's got this energy in their face. They stop, the applause comes, and you turn around and you see that there's like maybe 50 people in the audience of you know, a room that could seat a thousand. Soon after, uh, you f he finds out that the orchestra is being disbanded. This man who's dedicated his life to this loses his job in the orchestra, goes home to his wife who comes home, you know, with fresh food and she's happy and how are you doing? And he tells her, not only did I just lose my place in the orchestra and there's no getting back with my skill set, uh, but I've invested without telling you in this cello that is way more than we can afford because it's what the pros use. Um, so he's very suddenly uh, going from a life of being on top, having his life together, newly married to a woman who loves him very much, thinks he knows what he's about. He thinks he knows what his life is going to be. Very suddenly having to sell the cello, give away everything, and move back to his hometown where his mother, who passed away recently, left him this old you know, bar with an apartment above it. And while he's there, the first job he takes is with this company that does encoffinings. The film's name is Departures. Um, now, in, in Japan, uh, death is pretty taboo. It's something where if you're working with the dead, that's not a respectable position at all. It's the bottom of the barrel. It's what, you know, the listing in the newspaper that he went for, it didn't even say what it was. It said, you know, we guide people on their journeys. Um, he thought it was for being a tour guide. Uh, and so the, the film proceeds to have him finding his way 
Uh, he kind of falls in love with the job a little bit. He fights his way through it. He then has to present it to his wife, who, just like the cello, he hasn't told her what's going on, and she finally finds out. And uh, it's it's one of those movies that is you're laughing one minute, and you're I I literally like I've I think I've seen it three times now, and every time I cry. I've never seen a movie that that makes me feel the way that this one does in terms hmm. of going from being entertained, feeling hopeful, feeling happy to being despairing. And it's never, it's never, it's never dark despair. It's never negative. It's never anything, but it, it brings in all of these kind of existential questions, you know, about life and death and about what it's going to be like when a loved one dies, when, you know, being with somebody who's going through this process. Um, and they, they use the ceremony and sort of the taboo involved in it, but also the seminal, it, it, it's walking into the seminal moment in people's lives. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's bringing these characters who, you know, this guy trying to figure his own stuff out into these, into these situations where people are having their own huge, huge moments and just quietly watching them. And it's it, the music's by Joe Isaishi, who does all the uh, Miyazaki movies. Oh, amazing. Um, so that the score is, the score is wonderful. Um, but in, in my eyes, it, it fit fall from grace, um, in pretty much the opposite way that there'll be blood did for you tonally. Um, whereas there'll be blood is, is a violent, bloody descent into a man's psyche. Mm -hmm. Um, this one is gentle reflection Mm. of that. You know, it's, it, it is somebody who, again, thinks he has things figured out, thinks he's on a certain course and has to pivot um, and figure his things out while also supporting a family, figuring out what his future is going to be, trying to figure out what he stands for, what matters to him. Um, The relationship, his father had abandoned him when he was young uh, and he's carried it with him and he's never addressed it. And, and through this, he's forced to address it until in the end, he finally has to uh, encoffin his father's body. Um, and it, it, it felt fall from grace to me in a very realistic, relatable way, almost like a book, you know, it, it felt thematically fall from grace. It felt, um, I don't know, normal. <laughs> hmm. So tough to play you, clips from it cause it's in Japanese, but do you now this is springs of an interesting topic. Do you find that, and I, I, I think you kind of answered it, do you prefer a gentle fall from grace as opposed to a, a more violent or aggressive fall from grace? Well, I think fall, fall from back. grace, it's too obvious hmm. in a violent way, in the Requiem for a Dream way, in the There Will mm-hmm. Be Blood way, where the fall from grace is an action movie, you know, where it's this start here and let things get really bad. Mm-hmm. Um which is not uninteresting to me, obviously. I don't mm-hmm. not like that. I think finding depictions that don't rely on that, that don't need that energy to push mm-hmm. through that, to show somebody um, in an elevated position being brought down to earth. Yeah. Uh, I think be- being able to do that with just a character and a quiet situation just... You know, it's just a guy who lost his job and had to move home. It's Garden State. You know, it's simple. And to make something that lets you follow along and really, really feel it 
it's a movie that really gets you to feel what this guy's feeling the whole time. Um, and it emotionally, it's a, as engaging as any, any movie, if not more. It's, yeah, it does. It doesn't, you know, I think, I think what I'd like about, you know, I've, I've definitely got to watch this movie now. I think what I like about what you're describing is just, um, I tend to think in such big picture terms and I don't mean that by the, the general generalization. I just mean like, you know, these things, what I love about everything that you're describing is it's just, it's just like you said, it's the simplicity of someone losing a job. You know, it doesn't have to be these life and death circumstances. It's just, you know, those moments where we are just lost a little bit and we don't know what to do and things keep piling on. And, you know, you kind of have to take that job that not everybody, you know, thinks is, you know, you feel like you're going a little backwards. Yeah. So I, I would highly recommend this to anybody who wants to watch it. Again, I don't know how to find it and you could buy it probably on Amazon prime or so. I don't think it's streaming anywhere. Um, it won the Oscar in 2008 for best foreign film. The score again, I cannot say it enough. The score is unbelievable. Um, and if you want to cry, you want a good cry, then check it out. I mean, if you want a good cry, I love a good cry. Are you a crier when things I, necessitate it? Avengers Endgame, I was a weepy little child. I'm not talking yeah. about Avengers goddamn Endgame. <laughs> Buddy. I'm talking about what dreams may come crying. I'm talking about departures cry crying. Anymore. I don't cry at those. I don't cry You don't at those. cry weepy movies? I, I, not a weepy. Like, it has to be, you know what? I'll, t- I'll tell you, the last time I cried at the weepy, you know what? I, you know what? But see, like again, this the is going back. How did Disney. you cry in Avengers Endgame? Tony Stark? Bro, no. When they all showed up, are you joking me? Oh my god! When he said "on your left" and I said "fuck," I said, "Oh shit, they're back!" And you started crying. I actually did. I actually started crying. I cry. I cry. I've cried every time. Dude, there was a whole period of time where I walked around listening to support. You know, Alan Silvestri did the soundtrack, and that track is called Portals. I would just listen to that and just sob. That track actually does literally make me sob on command. Coco, I cried at Coco. I cried all the Pixar movies. Well, those so, movies, yeah. You're going to yeah. cry at the beginning of Up. You're going to cry at Coco. Ooh, you are going to cry at Coco. Watch this movie. I'm, curi- I'm curious if, no, I'm very if, it, if it draws that out of you. And truth be told, I need to watch more foreign films. I think I, you do. That's something that I think I've, you do. I've this one's very accessible do. as far, you know, you, you have to read yeah, the yeah. subtitles and it's, it's a bit of a... Like the ceremony itself and the culture yeah. is, you know, obviously it's Japanese, but it it's pretty accessible. It's modern day. It's not nothing, you know, it's not a samurai movie. It's not a mm-hmm. period piece. Mm-hmm. Um, again, just about a guy who loses his job and has to figure it out. That's beautiful. Well, look, yeah. So those, so those are our choices for Fall from Grace. Got a little There Will Be Blood and got a little Departures. Um, we would love to hear what you guys would choose. I'd love to hear that. I'd love to hear that. I would also love to hear, you know, not even just just movies, but TV shows, plays, uh, anything that anything, any story that that is a fall to fall from grace for you. What would that look like? But uh, for now, I'm Nick Walker. I'm Alex Smolo. And this has been Little Justice. Stay safe out there, everybody. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work 
or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R E R I S E T H E A T R E dot org because only together we rise. 